uh, an event I did in China and it was called The Voice of the World. So it was a couple of different people from The Voice in America, um, UK and from Germany. Mm -hmm. And we performed alongside the winners of The Voice China and Vietnam in this huge stadium in Beijing. I think there was something like 60 thousand people at it or thousands anyway and um it was phenomenal it was like an amazing experience um slightly terrifying when i turned up at the dress rehearsal and they told me they were going to launch me up on this huge platform thing um at Sorry, which point what? i was like yeah they, they, they had this like you know like platform that would go you know like go up and down you know like uh, stage effects basically. yeah and um i was like at this point i'm so glad i can't see so i was slightly <laughs> terrified while singing i think it was my immortal going up in this weird platform thing hoping i really hope that this does not break down and i do not fall off it because this is not going to be a good luck <laughs> Hello, how's it going? And welcome back to another episode of Finterviews with me, your host, Connor Finn. This week, I had a call with the brilliantly talented Andrea Begley. Andrea is a local singer-songwriter from County Trone, probably best known for her amazing voice that put Pomeroy on the map when she won The Voice UK back in 2013. We delved into Andrea's fascinating upbringing surrounded by music, coming from the esteemed Begley clan and queen of country herself, Philomena Begley. Andrea's journey with glaucoma and dealing with partial vision and of course, her astounding story of winning one of the biggest singing competitions in the world, The Voice UK. Andrea was such a lovely, generous guest to have on the show and I just had a wonderful time having the chats with her. So, without further ado, Please enjoy this latest episode of Interviews with the brilliant Andrea Begley. Well, welcome back to another episode of Interviews. This week, I'm delighted to be joined by the brilliant Andrea Begley. How's it going, Andrea? Hello, Connor. It's great to be here. It's brilliant to have you on. Now, Andrea, for some of the people that are listening to the podcast, could you maybe tell us, well, introduce yourself a bit, tell us a bit about yourself, where you're from, and uh, maybe a little bit about your background or kind of maybe what you're known for? Okay, uh, well, my name's Andrea Begley and I'm originally from Pomeroy, which is a little village in County Tyrone. <laughs> and um, yeah, indeed, a Tyrone always has to be uh, accustomed by the uh, yo at the end of it. Yeah, um, yeah. But, um, <laughs> yeah, so I'm from a small village uh, called Pomeroy and um, I... Uh, moved to Belfast uh, when I uh, studied law back in, oh, let's see, how long ago was that? I I was looking at all the students coming uh, back to uni there and thinking, my goodness, it's like, what, 15 years since I started uni. So uh, it's hard to believe time's flown so quickly. So whenever I moved to Belfast for university, um, I kind of sort of stayed there really, um, mm. got, a, got a job and um, then never really came home until, well, the world of global pandemic hits and uh, moved back in with my parents. So <laughs> kind of feel like I've gone back to being a teenager again, really. Well, the good sides of it are you get all your meals made for you. The downsides are you still have to do the dishes, but you know, I mean, can't really complain too 
too much. <laughs> no, that's it. Like as well. Yeah. Um, and if people don't know, we're actually, I mean, I did do yo for Trone there, although I am a very proud Armagh man myself. So uh. I'll probably be getting some <laughs> flack off someone there being like, oh, big traitor. Like, but to be fair, no, I'm on the border of each side. Like, okay. So I can't really, you know, I have to kind of play at both parties there now. Like we'd be always going out in the morning. I don't know if you know around there. <laughs> of course, maybe to uh, a certain uh, spot in the morning, like Tumblings or something? Tumblings? Oh, yeah, I would, uh, I'd, I'd say we were frequent. Our family, yeah, would, uh, would be there far too often. Obviously, not right now, but, um, yeah, we, uh, I, I, I'm, I, I feel like we should get our name on the wall at this stage. Like, we, uh, we've, <laughs> we've, we've, we've definitely paid our way into it now. Um, yeah, dedicated customers. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. But as you're saying, um, you're, uh, from Tron and, uh, you're living in Belfast. All the rest of it, COVID, obviously you're back home again. But um, maybe uh, you would uh, like to kind of discuss it a bit. Like you're actually a singer and songwriter as well. And um, yeah. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Sorry. That kind of other side of my life that I haven't quite quite moved to talk about yet. So, yeah. What will pe- people most know me for? Um like still, you know, up to the, to this day, people will sometimes come up to me and say, I know your face. I recognize you. You're on the TV. And then my automatic response is, yeah, crime watch. But um, <laughs> actually, no. I, is there something I should have known? Said, <laughs> uh, exactly. Yeah. What, what, what the, that's the other podcast that we need to do. Exactly. Um, no, my background obviously is massively involved in singing, of course. And in 2013, uh, Q drum roll. I won the uh, Voice UK um, as uh, basically being coached to the final by none other than the lovely Danny O'Donoghue from the script. So um, that's probably what I'm most sort of known for, really. And of course, singing and songwriting, as you said, playing the guitar, the piano, um, very much big, big passions of mine, and um, still very much involved in the music. Well, as much as anybody can be these days <laughs> with um, the pandemic, but. Love the music and it's always been a massive, massive part of my uh, life, really. Yeah, I love that you said so off the cuff now. Like, I feel like it's you've obviously, you know, it's been like a wee while. You've had like time to register it. But do you still not like sometimes people be like, you do know you you won the voice and then do you ever get to the point where you're being like, Oh, for, yeah, I did. Or you just very much kind of like, yeah. a, it's been said so many times. So obviously, you know, back home, like in Ireland, you're just kind of like, yeah, yeah, you know, everybody knows everyone. It's kind of like, yeah, I know the voice, whatever like this. But to me, like, <laughs> if somebody, you know, came up to me, I, I mean, I'm, I'm very much dreaming here of, uh, if I'd ever win something like that. And, um, if somebody ever was like, oh yeah, you're the guy from, yeah, yeah the voice. Yeah. Yeah, that was yeah. Me. Oh yeah, I would be, you know, yeah. milking that for ages. Jeez, and like, I'd definitely have my plaque up the wall in Tomney's if I'd won that. Like, uh, well, you never know. There's time. There's time yet, Connor, especially with the podcast. But um, <laughs> no, I um, honestly, like, I think you're right. At the time, it was like, OMG, has this really happened? And I was fairly speechless. And in fact, my poor mother was sort of traumatized so much so <laughs> so that they they took this picture of her. Um, like her face was like one of utter shock but she just looked like absolutely horrified on it and um she she ended up trending on twitter um which you know you never thought you'd say the phrase my mother's trending on twitter Mm. but um yeah so no up no it's been it's been a what nearly seven years now since i won the show and no i have to say i've always had lovely feedback from people and really like positive things Mm. and 
um even during the pandemic there i was out one day for a walk and um we walked past a couple of people and the, the one of the guys was like i i recognize you the girl from the voice and he's like i have to shake your hand and i was like uh no uh, you know i'd love in ordinary circumstances i'd have no bother shaking your hand but right now i don't think it'd be a good idea for either of us if we shake shake hands but yeah i know it was phenomenal experience um uh i don't think i'll ever um it, it, the only thing is like I'm, i don't know if i'll ever top it because it was just such such an amazing time in my life really yeah yeah i suppose but that's still there is that like you know obviously you're just going for your walks around and stuff and you know you're getting the locals be like oh i'll have to shake <laughs> your hand you're like you're like very country love it you're like not the right pandemic for it uh like yeah exactly <laughs> any other time you know what yeah a, a distant wave yeah let's like do that yeah, yeah. The, but then the royal wave or something yeah, <laughs> yeah yeah and then they'll be going away being like gee she's very up with in herself god she's had i know i know that's always that's always the worry i think like um i mean obviously like i I can only imagine it's a, like a much, much, much bigger scale, like the likes to say some of the guys from One Direction or something like mm. that are very, very recognisable faces. Like I remember after the show for a good while, you know, you'd regularly get people coming up and interrupting you if you were in the middle of a meal with family or something. And it never used to bother me if people wanted a photograph or an autograph or anything. The only time it kind of got on my nerves a little bit was when I was in the middle of eating. And that's probably just a testament to how much I love food. But um <laughs> Uh, aside from that like I've always as I say, I've always enjoyed chatting to people and people are really enthusiastic and they want to ask you questions mm. and you know I'm obviously happy to talk about it so oh, no it's it's been very good like yeah yeah I suppose yeah it, it, everything's grand until they're inter- interrupting you and you're in the middle of a car every you're saying sir let me let me have you know my turkey and ham first and then I'll get back to you yeah I get <laughs> I know don't get between an Irish woman and her um, mate and vegetables and spuds (laughs) that's it that's it yeah i mean somebody put that in a plaque now but um well obviously that's such a huge part of kind of like why obviously i want to talk to you as well and just because you're also so local and stuff like this i like i think it's really interesting just getting to talk to people that have done like amazing things and like obviously like things that like just not many people can like say that they've done or relate with whatever but what I wanted to get into maybe is like, when did you first kind of get into music and singing? And maybe was it something you'd always gravitated towards and had a passion for? Or did you have another path potentially in mind? Because you'd said you were studying in Belfast there for a while. But then obviously, I mean, your your family is big in the music scene in Ireland, especially now. So like, was it one of those, you know, things where it's like a bit of a fancy over this, but like, I have to like be almost like putting on that like realistic, like, hat and be like oh this probably will be the most secure area like what what was it all like um well I suppose like a lot of people I probably went through a zillion sort of career ideas um and like I mean that a lot a lot of like little girls start out with you know I want to be a ballet dancer and um God and all that there sort of thing yeah. but um <laughs> In terms of like, um, <laughs> in terms of what you said there about like family heritage and music, like obviously, well, people may or may not know um, they're listening. My aunt is Philomena Begley, of course, who's known inf- infamously as the Queen of Country. And um, I suppose really music was, there was always kind of going to be an inevitable link there with, you know, my dad sings and, you know, it's it's always just been part of the family fabric, if you like. Mm. And, um, and I don't mean that in a like, 
you know casual way and it, it just is it's a part of us and you know if it comes to like family gatherings or parties or you know the, those memorable days when you actually could meet members of your family um <laughs> Like it was, it, it's just always there from a really young age. So when I went to school and joined the choir and did all the fashes and uh, even tried my hands Irish dancing for a while, all the sort of standard oh, stuff. But you have to. Um, <laughs> and, and funnily enough, yeah, I'm, I'm also visually impaired, which the, the listeners may not know. So I'm, uh, I have a condition called glaucoma, which has left me with very limited um, vision. So um, I'm not entirely sure that being the first um registered blind Irish dancer was, a, was necessarily going to be a good career choice for me but um yeah so I suppose music wise as I say I started off in the early days choirs fashions did the fla um also did a lot of like local singing competitions and um kind of just really worked my way up the 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 schedule like that and kind of tried to craft songwriting skills um I went to a couple of songwriting classes I have a funny story about that. I went to my first songwriting group in the Crescent Arts Centre in Belfast mm-hmm. about, oh, maybe 10 or 15 years ago. And um, I went into this class and everybody was sitting down waiting on the tutor to come in. And um, next thing she walks in, and it's like, oh, you're very, very welcome. This is, and she started talking in, in this foreign language. And I was like, what on earth? Is this some <laughs> like strange version of songwriting or what is going on here? Turns out I'd gone into the wrong room, which, to be honest, is a bit of an occupational hazard when you can't see where you're going. So I ended up, I ended up in uh, Russian for beginners uh, instead of the instead of the songwriting group. I was like, I knew songwriting was going to be difficult, but I didn't expect it to be this hard. Yeah, um, you're coming out of it being yeah, like so. it was like another language, and then they'll be like, mm, uh, might have actually been like <laughs> another language, exactly. So, well, I eventually found the right room in the end, but. Um, no, it was, I have to say, starting the songwriting was just a great experience, really, you know, really, really enjoyed it and still loved doing it now. So just kind of regret that I didn't maybe do it five or six years before that. But um, <laughs> no, I, I do love the old the old songwriting. It's great. And it's been really, really good to sort of fall into doing it during lockdown as well, which has been nice. Mm, mm, because you've been kept busy, you know, with it, like, um, I've just kind of been seeing your socials and stuff like this, and like the different mm. songs and stuff, whatever, like, it's like, it, it, I mean, it's what everybody, I suppose, has kind of been doing. People are kind of like going back into those, like, you know, areas and whatever like this. But you, you'd said there, like, obviously, this, like, the songwriting, whatever, like, this, like, it's led you down a, a path that obviously, it sounds like it was almost kind of like crafted for you from your family kind of background. And obviously you, you've done quite well with it. But um, you'd said that you were studying, was it law initially? Yeah, um, yeah, exactly. So um, I studied law at Queen's. Um, and then after that, I joined the civil service, which I took a career break from for a couple of years when I did The Voice. And then I went back to. So I've actually, um, I'm, I've still been working there and have, done worked from home now during the pandemic mm-hmm. so the, the good thing about that is like number one it gives me the sort of security of having day-to-day work but it also has now given me actually with not having to physically go into an office it's given me a lot more time to do my music and mm-hmm. do my songwriting and I've I've just been so so thankful that during the lockdown when I've like you know other fellow musicians and friends who rely entirely on music have really really found it tough and to, to be frank, like there, there isn't a great lot of 
light at the end of the tunnel at the minute. So um, in ways, lockdown, ironically, has been a good thing for me because it's given me more time to go back, write new songs, do a bit more recording, um, even try and dust off my very, very, very rusty piano skills. <laughs> and um, yeah, like I've re- it's, it's been very positive for me. I mean, not that I'm not missing all the other things that go with normal living anymore, but... Mm. Um, oh, no, no, I, I, I've definitely made use out of both my skills in music and also doing my academic um, stuff at school and college as well. Yeah, because it always does seem one of those things when, you know, you see, you know, someone's from like around your areas, whatever, like this, that'll go on to, you know, big shows or like they'll go down kind of like career paths and then you don't hear from them in a while. You're kind of going like, oh, what are they doing? Whatever, like this. And, um, you know, as you said, you went back to like this area, but like, I feel like a lot of people sometimes put all their eggs in one basket and be like, this will be my life. Now this is like an absolute yeah. secure thing, but you were like aware enough. And I mean, it's, it's obviously taking you on as well, where you kind of been like, thank God that I didn't, you know, put all like yeah. into like one thing where my sole income was literally being like gigs. Cause who would have been able to predict, you know, a full yeah, year essentially exactly. where it's like, sorry lads like um nobody's meeting up um no I know no you're you're 100% right and I think to be honest if the whole pandemic's done anything it's probably shone a light on what is a fairly broken music industry anyway like mm. I think people know that in the vast majority of cases unless you're at that tiny sort of top percentage of artists who you know can tour Wembley Arena and so on <laughs> it's very, very difficult to make um, a sustainable living out of music. So because you've got the likes of the streaming platforms who, you know, are obviously great and it's great for listeners. And I, of course, use them, put my music on them and I listen to music on them. Mm. But in reality, like if you actually look at the figures of what artists get back from streaming their music, it's something like 0.002 pence or something. It's It's negligible. Yeah. Yeah, it really, really is like so um but no like I'm I just count myself very very fortunate and um I think you're right and I think actually for like this generation and for the next I think one thing we have learned is to be flexible and you know to keep keep our options open do different things it gives you a different perspective on life as well so it doesn't do any harm (laughs) yeah I love like I feel like I'm so like up in the air about things and like kind of being like, oh, wow, this is like crazy here. Like this is something else. Like, you know, when I'm chatting to people about the stuff that they've done, I always kind of put it up on a big platform. But like, I feel like you're so grounded in yourself and like in the kind of like reality of things. You're kind of like, yeah, do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, you have to get on with it and stuff like this, which is uh, probably I should be told that more often where I'm literally, I'm lucky (laughs) that I'm in a job right now. And here's me be like, Oh, jeez, you know what? Should I should I just like book a flight for like next June? And then I'll, I'll I'll just make my way in America. Yeah, yeah, whatever. Like this, like um. But enough about yeah, me. Yeah, I do, it's, me and my me and my just fever dreams. No, but yeah. you know what though? You've just you. It's also really important not to lose that kind of free spirit as mm. well. Like because I think that's one that's one thing. Like it's on one sense, this whole pandemic is kind of like people want some some certainty and they want some like you know clear vision of what yeah. the future is going to look like and if this is taught as anything it's like you can't really plan for it. so you do kind of have to live in the moment and just go for what you feel works for you so you know 
if you want to go and make it in America, well, I wouldn't recommend anytime soon. But, no, um, probably not. <laughs> definitely, it's definitely, it's definitely one to consider. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. Pipeline. Yeah, we'll see what happens. Yeah. But um, anyway, like I suppose from this, you're saying um about getting back into music and um the different kind of influences that you've had. But like, what would you kind of say is the inspiration? like particularly behind your music like is there anyone or anything particularly that influenced you because your singing style and stuff like this like it's one that like I would know so you know heavily being like because we're similar kind of areas I've heard it quite Mm -hmm. often but like I suppose um it has there like maybe like different audiences and stuff like this wouldn't really know that kind of style or whatever would 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 you say that you you know would have grabbed in from um inspiration like just from your hometown and stuff like that because it seems to very much resonate from the stuff that you've put out yeah um I suppose you know you're consciously and unconsciously influenced by so many different things when mm. it comes to your music so I I mean my style would be quite varied. I think I do a lot of ballads, but I've covered things from Lady Gaga to writing my own songs mm. to um, more country style of music, more folk style. Um, over the years, I suppose artists that have really inspired me would be people like um, Katie Tunstall, Cara Dillon, um, you know, all sorts of variations, Paolo Nutini, um, and really of course then I've taken a good lot of inspiration from my aunt who Mm. she has worked in the local music business for over 50 coming up nearly 60 years now and um, (laughs) I think like just even her longevity and being a female in the music business and and sort of being a real stalwart is to me that's really inspiring because um, you know it is a more difficult world I think for female musicians and I do think and, um, you know, it, it is important to be able to have those role models to look up to. And that's not to say like there's loads of guys in the industry that I really admire as well. Um, and, you know, like Ed Sheeran and, you know, people who have really crafted their their uh, skills as songwriters and um, gone out there. There's another guy, Newton Faulkner, who I'd be mm. a, a huge fan of. Oh, and yeah. Uh, I, I just really I love the total variety of music you know everything from R&B to country to folk to traditional and I think that does influence a lot of um of what I do and um, even jazzy stuff like Nora Jones and um, Eva Cassidy of course um so yeah no I do I love all really that whole pot like a, a, a mixed pot of people really and hopefully that comes out in the songs that I cover and the, the sounds that I create for my own music as well yeah i think it was um more so it's it's rare that you hear you know um somebody that's creating so much stuff like and people i, I think the right the way that i'm trying to phrase it is somebody actually singing in their own kind of accent in their own voice <laughs> yeah like i think yeah. that's what struck me most kind of about your way and about why on like shows like the voice that people were kind of so like oh uh, you know taken back because it's one of those ones that you just don't hear it that often. And I like, mm. 
I don't know, like, I, I do appreciate that a lot of times when people are, you know, learning to sing and stuff like this, and they'll be practicing and going around, they do kind of mimic or they'll take inspiration yeah. from, you know, other artists. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But a lot of time, it'll be like English artists, it'll be American artists. And then you completely lose, you know, like, and then when they talk, when they start speaking, you're thinking, <laughs> we're, 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 where <laughs> are you are they? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Whether it's you, know, you know. keep the accent yeah. and stuff like that, which I think is like one of those ones that, it kind of goes amiss a wee bit, like for so many people, because yeah. they almost get trained in that kind of, um, I don't know, like even for when I was doing the choir growing up, <laughs> I remember literally our primary school teacher, um, this is back, like literally doing choir in primary school and, um, the teacher that was doing it, we, she was brilliant now, but she was very much into, you know, enunciating, um, make sure you're, you're pronouncing everything. <laughs> yeah. And she called us a bunch of cold cheese because we were being like, lar, lar, like this. <laughs> and we were going like, wait, what? Yeah. Like, but then yeah. she, like, obviously so many people would be like, Oh, sick sticking so strict to you know having to sing almost it, it seems a bit posh to me because it, you're not really singing how you would say things obviously for when you're going to wee competitions and all all that stuff's important yeah. but then so much of the time you're taught into a trait that you completely lose your roots in it whether i think that's one piece i appreciate that you seem to have kept your roots but with you know taking all these other influences so it's not like you're you know being pulled in or you know around by like so many other like things it's like they're you know just adding to you know what you, you're putting into your own voice and your own words rather than you try to do a version of them yeah well that that's really nice of you to say Connor I, I mean to be honest this is something I feel like quite passionately about I think there is a bit of an issue sometimes just more or less what you said there. And look, I mean, everybody's free to, to style their singing as they wish to. But I do think that it's important for people to, you know, if they if they want to remain authentic to themselves, it's important not to lose your own voice in trying to um, imitate someone else's. And, you know, there are different styles of singing. Um, you know, it's it's sort of a natural tendency if you're singing country to, you know, maybe Americanize it up a mm. little bit and so on. Or if you're doing um, folk stuff to make it a bit more traditional sounding. But I, I do genuinely try to be where, it, where it's possible, like stick to my own natural voice and stuff. And sometimes people might find that. I know like some of the, the critics on the other side would say that's a bit it's a bit bland but actually to me it's like well this is this is my own voice it's not made to sound like anybody else's and the other thing I would definitely say is for people who do go down the route of, of kind of copying some of their favorite singers and stuff you know the, you also have to think about vocal technique and not to get too you know drawn into the science of it but mm -hmm. it's important for your voice to look after your vocal cords and to not like sometimes some of the singing currently it's it's very very guttural and can actually have a really harsh impact on your singing mm -hmm. so you can find like artists who are really really um you know have quite like a strong unique voice can really struggle if they're doing a lot of touring and stuff because it's having an impact on their vocal cords um so yeah it's it's important to me that I kind of maintain that as much as I can um natural tone but um, you know, sometimes it's appropriate to change it up a wee bit now and again. So <laughs> yeah, sometimes you're allowed to slip in now. Yeah, it's it's kind of like <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but here, I suppose around you know, you were saying you were working like civil service. 
enemies against you. I mean, you've had a bit of a whirlwind altogether, but I suppose before all of his career, um, between the music and everything else, like, did you ever have any, I suppose, my father always liked to phrase them as character building jobs, um, that you're growing mm. up that maybe inform the person you are today. Would you understand what I mean when I say character building? Would that be a phrase that's chucked around your end a bit? Um, yeah, I mean, I think I know what, what, what you're getting at. I mean, to be honest, my um, jobs, like growing up, I suppose like all the traditional kind of part-time jobs mm. that people would have done as teenagers and stuff, a lot of them were kind of off limits to me because of my eyesight. Mm. Um, so like, say, for example, being a waitress or something, unless people wanted to wear their dinner, it really wouldn't have been a career option for me, even, even on a part-time basis. So my dad owns a shop. So one of the very glamorous jobs I had in the early days, this is before you were able to buy potatoes in small bags. They had to be put into the bags um, from a larger bag. So one of my <laughs> early character building jobs, and it was character building, was filling up these little bags of potatoes. And let's just say the character building part came when you put your hand into the bag and came out with a rotten potato. Oh, stop. Um, <laughs> I I will not. I think if anyone experienced a really, like, literally lifting a really rotten potato out of a bag and it crumbling in your hand, oh. it probably put you off. Probably put you off eating potatoes for life. So, um, yeah, it was definitely. Uh, I remember one day doing it, and my sister came in in the middle of it and um, me packing up the bags, and she's like, "Oh!" And she like literally like went outside and threw up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jesus. All right. <laughs> uh, it definitely it definitely was. But you know what? At the same time, like what what did I learn from it? It was good discipline. I had to be there so many times a week. I had to do it. And yeah, my dad gave me money, like paid me for it and all. So it was just like a wee part-time job. But um bar that now I didn't like my like first real job, I suppose, was really after I left uni. So um yeah. Um, but but yeah, so I wouldn't recommend. You don't really need to do that now, though, because well, the machines have come along to exactly. I'd do that that yeah. job. <laughs> but I mean, yeah, at least it, it. At least you knew that that wasn't where your career really led. And do you know what I mean? You're like you, maybe you know packing spuds. Um, <laughs> just you you, you you did it. You did it a couple of times. You went. You know what? Maybe just isn't for me. Like I know that when um we were growing up, we used to do strawberry picking as well and different fruits and stuff like this. Mm. And um, I very quick quickly um strained away from that <laughs> and now I talk uh to people on the internet so um yeah good to know dad's uh training really um held its own yeah for work signaled <laughs> me I think I think it, the, it what it did for both of us probably points us in the opposite direction and we went mm, mm-hmm. not gonna end up in this probably lifestyle <laughs> no well I think I'm more skilled at eating the potatoes instead of packing them I think that's, that's maybe where my 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 skills stand but yeah sure you always you live and learn from these things exactly Exactly, exactly. And here, I suppose this next question, it's a bit of a weird one because obviously we're in COVID. Nobody really has a particular, you know, day to day. But is like, what does an average day, I suppose, look like for you? Like, is there any one day the same to next? Or I suppose it's it's a bit tough now. <laughs> but um, what, yeah. what, what's it kind of like hold it for you? Because you're saying you're more into music. Like, do you find, because I think it's so interesting when people like god knows i can't write like i play some trad music but writing songs <laughs> doing anything like that cannot do it don't understand how people's minds work that it goes that way mm. like do you just have to do you have to set out time for it or is it kind of taken just from inspiration like what what's an average day-to-day look like for you 
Um, well, I'm very lucky again that I've got like a decent enough routine mm. um, on the go at the minute. So I try to get up near enough every morning about eight, half eight. Um, Slacker. Go for a walk in the local forest here, <laughs> a couple of couple of mile walk and then have my breakfast and then get stuck into doing emails for my um, day job in mm-hmm. civil service. And then, you know, just the sort of standard daily routine of lunch and then um, coffee, biscuits, maybe some biscuits, maybe some more biscuits. <laughs> and then, um, of course, then I spend most of my evenings then concentrating on music. So like usually from about half four or five on, I will like get stuck into playing the piano, guitar, um maybe now as you know like it's as much about your social media presence as a musician as Mm. it is about um the music itself so trying to sort of come up with you know different ideas for social media doing videos um that kind of thing torturing my sister on that front because she (laughs) tends to help me out with all of that um but as far as songwriting goes um I don't know everyone's different some people really like to sit down and give themselves like a particular theme to write about so like it's wet outside today let's write about rain or um I don't know Very let's write about <laughs> yeah which you know in uh, Ireland you can probably write about rain 360 odd days of the year uh but you know what I mean so you pick like idea or you'll maybe be out and about and you'll get inspiration from like a phrase that someone said mm. So, for example, during lockdown, I'm working on getting this single out at the minute. If the good people at the um, streaming platforms will um, agree to put my single up, because you have to go through this process where they um, they have to like go through all their different um, people and get it approved. So it's, it's taken a wee bit longer than normal. But during lockdown, I wrote a song called One More for the Road. So, you know, maybe taking like kind of you know phrases that people say mm. or that are well known and then turning that into well what does that phrase mean to you what does what does that say to you in a song or um you know even starting with some chords on the guitar or the piano and just getting a little melody in your head as well um is is, is usually a good start but i personally find it's better to do it spontaneously and not to get too prescriptive about it mm. I suppose that's like part of the way that you kind of have to go as well. Like I find that like a lot of ones I've chatted to just um, like it seems to be a thing that like if like it's similar to writer's block. Do you know what I mean? If you sit down and you're forcing yourself into it and you're constantly trying to force yourself to be creative, especially in like such a way that like if you're trying to, you know, hold on to some kind of like your your own kind of pace and your own kind of style or whatever mm. and trying to force it it just some people I'm sure it does work for like um but like it there seems to be something that has to be organic in a sense um to really yeah. get with something that you're happy with or that you are excited enough about to continue with rather than as you said you know like just you know forcing yourself to sit down because like once it's forced like you're not gonna enjoy it it's same with anything like nobody wants to be forced into doing yeah. that um but uh like that's just like i i'm always so intrigued by how people kind of go around it but i suppose as well you were saying about the kind of things that have happened to you, you know people on the street yeah interrupting your dinner um you know trying to shake your hand during a pandemic but um <laughs> have there been any major standout moments that have came from your um, career kind of so far that you like probably never imagined could have happened oh yeah I mean especially during the voice I mean it was just like one crazy thing after another like you know having just random chats with Tom Jones and Will I Am and 
Hollywood Willoughby and stuff, it was just like really, you know, it became normal, but it really wasn't normal or bumping into Michael Bublé. Um, Completely uh, normal. Outside the, studio, outside the studio one day, it was just like, oh, it's Michael Bublé. Um, so yeah, no, and I've met some wonderful people in, in the industry and I also another really amazing experience. My sister and myself both went to an event in uh, for the Duke of Edinburgh um, charity and it was in Windsor Castle and we met um, the, the Countess of Wessex there and we had this um, lovely meal with a number of like fairly high profile people who um, donate to the charity and then mm-hmm. I sang a few songs afterwards but um, it was a funny moment in that where um, it was like a set menu and it was only like maybe 10 or 12 people at this event and um, I was like saying to Hannah does it say on you know the little menu card what yeah. the um, the meal is so you know sort of Irish wedding style thinking I'm going to get in turkey and ham and whatever else here so of course the first course was something like partridge and um, I'm I'm sitting there going it's going to be so awkward if I can't eat this because like you know it's not like a situation where you can kind of hide the fact that you've not at the because you're literally sitting right beside all these people so you can't can't hide in the crowd yeah yeah the closest I've ever come to Partridge was like you know the 12 days of Christmas of Partridge and a pear tree and um, so I was automatically a bit suspicious of it and do you know what I had it and it was absolutely delicious like I'm not a if I had been a vegetarian or something that was a different story but I just I'd never had it before and Mm. it was like building up this expectation in my mind it was going to be horrible but it was really nice so yeah that was an amazing experience I got to perform in the Albert Hall as well which was phenomenal oh my God. like a full Albert Hall um Jesus. I performed where uh, yeah another major highlight would have been um uh, an event I did in China and it was called the voice of the world so it was a couple of different people from the voice in America my um UK and from Germany and mm-hmm. we performed alongside the winners of the Voice China and Vietnam in this huge stadium in Beijing I think there was something like 60,000 people at it or thousands anyway and um, <laughs> it was phenomenal it was like an amazing experience um, slightly terrifying when I turned up at the dress rehearsal and they told me they were going to launch me up on this huge platform thing um, at <laughs> Sorry, which point what? I was like yeah, they, they they had this like you know like platform that would go you know like go up and down you know like uh, stage effects basically, yeah. and um, I was like at this point I'm so glad I can't see. So I was slightly <laughs> terrified when singing. I think it was my immortal going up in this weird platform thing, hoping I really hope that this does not break down and I do not fall off it because this is not going to be a good luck. Um, but yeah, no, it was, it, uh, yeah, there's definitely been some really amazing. And then of course got to do lots of lovely things at home as well, like perform on the Late Late Show with my aunt and um, also was on Strictly Come Dancing as well, singing, uh, not dancing, mind you, because I can't dance. Um <laughs> And yeah, I've had some fabulous experiences. Um, so that w- those would definitely be the standout ones for me. Yeah, again, <laughs> I mean, like people can't see, but every time that you're being like, yeah, just to China or, you know, performing this, like, like so <laughs> off the cuff casual. And every single time my like 
smile was getting bigger, my jaw was dropping more because <laughs> I'm literally like, sorry, what? Like to me, it seems so mad, but you're like, it, you obviously just took it such in a stride with yourself. And, um, you know, it didn't, you know, it's, it's not like you're coming back being like, fucking, I'm, you know, something else or whatever. Like this, rather, <laughs> I could not promise the same. I mean, I would be like, see us later. Sorry, just know where I am. <laughs> yeah. Walk into the coffee yeah. shops or whatever like this. Sorry. Sorry. You, like, you know, so you don't know my name, whatever like yeah. this. I, I, I think you, you probably, yeah, it, it suited your personality to be thrown into that where your head didn't get too big, whether mine probably wouldn't fit through a door after that kind of like scheme of things being thrown about. <laughs> but I suppose similar to that, I, I kind of, I don't really know if I should really ask this question, but it's kind of written down. Um, like from doing all these like such high profile events, I mean, getting partridges to being launched off, you know, in stages in China. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> has there been any kind of like maybe like horror stories that came from working in the industry that you maybe were like, Oh, did not expect this to happen. Like, do you find that like maybe sometimes just the way people kind of approach it? Like, do people expect you to be like, Oh, like, I think there's a lot of times, um, with, you know, ones back home that if somebody does do well and they come back, people kind of have a bit like, well, what I would probably have, you know, the notions on that person or like, oh, they think there's somebody. Has there been any mm. kind of like, you know, major things that you've noticed since like, you know, doing all these amazing things that you're kind of like, oh, that's changed. I didn't expect to change. Um, I mean, I can't really point to anything specific. I, I think like, there's always a bit of an expectation about like you know these kind of especially with tv shows and like winning like say x factor or the voice or whatever it Mm. is it's like people almost like think that you're going to be like adele tomorrow but like it doesn't really work like that you know the shows are great they're a great platform and it's what it's what you choose to make of it and it's how you choose to perceive it as well so like I suppose at the time there was like quite a bit of critical press of me because I think a lot of people felt that you know I was a bit boring quote unquote maybe um in terms of you know and maybe that was partly because people didn't really get to see as much of your personality on the show as maybe some of the other programs mm. but that being said, like the vast, vast majority of people have always been, you know, very nice and very complimentary. I think sometimes they probably do sort of have like an underlying query about, you know, why are you not like top of the charts uh, <laughs> every week? But, you know, anyone who knows anything about the music business knows it doesn't really matter how much profile you have. You can't be guaranteed success every every day. Um, so look I totally embrace the opportunities that I got and I still do and indeed I hope whenever this pandemic's over there'll there'll be more to come Mm. Um, but the one thing that you can never ever lean off in music is just working and working at it and that's that's all you can do and it's the same for any industry you know Um, and not taking things for granted and you know at the end of the day as well like your audience and and your fans they're your lifeblood if if you look after them and you, you keep them happy, keep putting out the music and the, the content, you know, that's the people that you have to look after um, first and foremost. And as that quote from Mean Girls go, don't let the haters stop you from doing your thing. Um, so, <laughs> Sorry, I you know, know a lot of quotes from Mean do- Girls, but I didn't know that life, one. <laughs> yeah, it's the, you know, the guy, uh, is it Kevin, the, the oh, math yeah. guy? 
he he quotes it to um Le, uh, what's her name oh, oh Le, Lindsay Lohan's character Hattie it's like just don't let the haters stop you from doing your thing so there will always be people who'll who'll critique you and another sort of area people at the time like and I'm not so much saying about anyone local it was more journalists especially in the UK who would have been like oh did Andrea Begley just win because she got the sympathy vote because she's blind um you know, blah, 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 all that kind of stuff. Mm. And it's like, you know, I think that probably displays a greater level of ignorance on their part around even just like disability awareness and also like, you know, kind of undermining the public's choice at the end of the day because people vote for you because they like you. They don't vote for you because you're visually impaired. It doesn't work <laughs> like that. So, I mean, I was so, so, so fortunate that people chose to like my singing and vote for me and mm. I will never take that for granted. So I'm just super thankful that I've had such great support. And, you know, as I say, if there's a few people out there who want to critique, you know, you'll always get that no matter what walk of life you're in. And, and sometimes you have to you have to take constructive criticism as well. It's, mm. it's important. If it's coming from the right place, you know, it, yeah. it, it's only going to be good for you. Yeah, I wouldn't pay too much time to know the UK tabloids now. <laughs> I think you've <laughs> well, got the you right know how they, <laughs> You know how they love to build people up and then subsequently oh. bring them right back down again. I mean, to be honest, it all went over my head at the time because I just never really read any of that stuff. But, I, you know, no matter how you try to insulate yourself from it, there'll always be the odd bits and pieces. And, um, you know, there's particular papers. I'm not going to name them because they already have enough publicity. But... <laughs> you'll always get that and I think maybe to be honest it kind of brings out a a more a, a more critical question which is about the, the sort of um, representation of people with disabilities in the media in general mm. um, and it's first and foremost it's not very prevalent you very rarely see people with a disability in a lot of like modern tv or indeed music or um you know films mm-hmm. and it's it's getting better but it's it's got a long way to go and I think you, you need that to kind of smash negative and kind of to be honest fairly outdated perceptions of what people with a disability can and can't do yeah no 1000 and I think um you used a quote from Mean Girls so I feel like I should probably <laughs> partner with a quote um not from Mean Girls but um one that I uh was saying to my ones back home not too long ago, this was prior to restrictions and all the rest of it. Um, but uh, if they don't, if they don't pay your bills, don't pay them no time. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, that mm-hmm. um, that one comes from um, a, b- a bit of a, I, I don't know if you've ever seen RuPaul's Drag Race. <laughs> I've seen it. Yeah, I did actually. Yeah. I, have, I haven't watched a lot of it, but I have seen, I have seen um, uh, bits of it. So it's usually very entertaining for Yeah. So uh, I mean, just, you, 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 you gotta listen to them. Those, those coins know what they're talking about. Like, so. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But here, I suppose I'm conscious that, um, again, I'm so appreciative for you, you know, coming on and have a chat with me like this. You're probably being like, <laughs> fucking hell, like this respect, like, we'll see, whatever. Um, like, just in the chat, shy to me across the internet. But, um, so probably just wrap up, um, where we're kind of been chatting about what does the future hold for you? Andrea, like, is there a five-year plan? Is there a bucket list of things that you, you know, have been aspired to do? Like, or <laughs> is it kind of like, who knows? Who knows where anybody's going to end up in, like, the future? Mm. Is there anything that you're like, if, uh, it like, everything going going well, this is where you'd like to be? Uh, it's a very good question. I think everybody's future plans are kind of, 
rather on hold at the minute. I mean, in ways, it's like you just you've got to just be flexible and work around what you can do in the current climate as opposed to what you can't. And that is limited, obviously, you know, in an ideal world, I'd love to be sitting in the Bahamas right now. But, you know, <laughs> instead, I'm in not very sunny Primoy with a whole lot of cows outside screaming. Um, and, and I meant cows as in animals. That is because, as I said to you earlier, I'm right beside a cattle market here. And every Thursday, they um, they like to provide a little um, sort of orchestra of noise. So, um, but no, I um, I think really the most important thing will be just keeping the music going, writing new songs, doing what I, I want to do in terms of being an artist and what I feel f- fulfills me and doing my songwriting. I certainly like... Um, to do a bit of recording I think with my aunt um, I'm conscious that we while we sang together and we've toured together we've never actually done any full-on recording together so I think that's something that's definitely on my bucket list um, and also just you know in general I think getting back out when we're all allowed to reconnecting with friends doing a bit more traveling I do enjoy going away and not super amounts like what I do like getting out um you know maybe a holiday a couple of times a year and and things like that there even short breaks and stuff so I actually it's so like ironic I was going to try my first ever um like it's specifically set up for visually impaired people so I was going to try my first visually impaired friendly ski holiday in March um which you know visually impaired people on a ski slope sounds like a bad sort of insurance combination (laughs) but I'm reassured that it's meant to be very safe so I was literally two days away from going on that when good old coronavirus killed that one uh, right off so that was the end of that that trip but um look I'd like uh definitely to try my hand at that um maybe no, probably not next year, but certainly maybe the year after. And um, yeah, who knows? As you say, who knows what's around the corner for any of us, Connor? So well, just take whatever comes. That's it. I mean, there's worse things that you could have your sights set on, you know, between making music, seeing mates, either Bali or the slopes. Do you know what I mean? Like whatever, whatever's going at the time <laughs> now. Um, maybe but- we've quite coined a new career there in Bali. So, you know, like, um, so I don't know. Well, I suppose ice skating would be the closest thing to that. Yeah, you could do sort of a, a company maybe i need to get them to feel nice getting them <laughs> exactly i mean yeah jesus why not yeah freak here uh, <laughs> but um no absolutely i just i'm so pleased to have got the opportunity to chat for you because i know just from being you know I, relatively you know in my mind you know somebody local that's done something so cool and like all the things <laughs> that you said and you're still so down to earth whatever like this um I just I'm delighted that I've actually got to chat to you for the first time because you're oh, always someone that much. I was kind of like I remember when you're on shows and stuff like that I was like yeah that's the, the girl right there oh, no, oh my god blah 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 and, you know <laughs> it's, it's always really exciting to see somebody yeah. you know that sounds like you do like really cool things as well um mm. <laughs> but um if people want you know to kind of as you said you're uploading things more and you're getting more in touch with mm. socials um if people want to see what you're coming out with um where can they find you oh okay well um i suppose nowadays it's like a, a never-ending list of social media platforms <laughs> but i'm on andrea begley music on facebook and andrea underscore begley on instagram i'm a begley music on twitter um and i'm on youtube of course under andrea begley official so if they want to and oh spotify as well and there's probably like zillions of others but yeah if people could let um go on give me a wee subscribe or a wee follow that would be amazing 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. I'm surprised actually there you've, you've, you've talked quite well to, you haven't had to incorporate too many, you know, underscores or too many, you know, numbers or whatever. Like oh, there. Yeah. You, oh yeah. You, you got in there quick. Yeah. I know like for myself, geez. Yeah. And no, nobody can find me because it's literally like Carfin. I think I'm like whatever number at the time, like that I set it up now. But, um, no, here. I'm just thank you so much for coming on to the podcast. Um, it was an absolute pleasure getting to chat you for an evening, anyways. And um, again, I can't wait to see where you are uh, going. And hopefully, hopefully it'll be the slopes. If not, uh, in the studio. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. Well, thank you very much, Connor. It's been a pleasure, and thanks for asking me on as well. <laughs> All right, here. Have a lovely evening, Andrea, and I'll see you later. Thanks. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of interviews once again if you'd like to support the podcast the best way to do that is give us a like share subscribe get as many people listening as you can and of course you can also give us a rating on whatever listening platform you're on um chuck us a wee five stars there saying off and we cheeky one there won't do any harm um if you have anybody that you would like me to interview next you can also get in touch on socials i'm on facebook instagram and twitter it's all finch reviews finch review podcast finch review pod any one of those you'll probably find me there until next time thank you once again for tuning in and i'll chat to you later bye